When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we have a special guest on this episode of the I know. podcast. This is our very first guest is on our very first guest on our podcast. Please welcome, put your paws together for <laughs> Malibu. Malibu is a cavapoo, yes, right? Yes, which I believe is a mixture of like a cocker spaniel. A cavalier. Is it a cavalier? A cavalier. Oh, right? what's, what's a cavalier? Like a cavalier King Charles spaniel. Whoa, that's crazy. It's the dog that... Um, you remember in Sex in the City when yeah. Charlotte gets the 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 rejected <gasps> show dog? Yes. That's a cavalier. Oh, so it's not like Lady and Lady and the Tramp? No, she's a cock. She's a cocker spaniel. Oh, so she's not the kind that. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, because if he was a cockapoo, he would be a cocker spaniel. Or if he was a cocker spaniel, he'd be cockapoo. Oh, but he's a cavapoo. So he's a cavalier. Ah, but uh yeah so we have a puppy in the room today yeah. so if you hear anything that sounds like a dog that's what it is yeah i'll explain why there's a puppy at the end of the episode <laughs> in our dabble section so if you're really interested you gotta listen to the rest of the app <laughs> i hope that i hope that that's what's keeping you listening and not us i know i was gonna say we're Just being curious about the dog yeah um just to paint a picture for our listeners, yeah. Jessica is wearing a lovely, like, limey green sweater today. It's called, the color is technically called Golden Lime. Oh, Golden Lime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah where yeah. is it from? It's from Eleven on Array, my Oh, work. Lamau. <laughs> Eleven. Eleven on Array. Arnor. But uh, my cat, like, snagged it today. Oh, so that's, that that's annoying. Yeah, that's, I don't like cats. <laughs> well. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, but I'm wearing a lovely lime green sweater and I have a a big scrunchie in my hair. Yeah, she does. But the whole reason why I brought up the sweater is because she looks exactly like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> would we say exact? Yeah, I would say I would say exact. You walked in here, I was like, where's Jessica? Where is she? Who is this frog? Who is this fucking frog <laughs> who, who is walked this in the room? Goddamn frog. <laughs> what did you do with Jessica? Kermit, where are you? Why you do this to me? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, Truly. how are you, Monica, this evening? This I'm fine, doing well. fine evening. Three hours before this episode is supposed to be released. Three hours before <laughs> the yep is supposed to be released. We're playing with fire. Listen, we're usually planners, uh, and then our plans don't work out. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, I do know what it is. It's called life. Life, yeah. Life in the past, I would say like two to three months has been especially tricky. It's been especially tricky. I will say things will ease up. Yeah, for uh, sure. For the summertime. For the summertime. Summertime. Time. When the living is easy. Easy. <laughs> Fish <laughs> are jumping. <laughs> easy street. 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 Easy
sorry, yes, sorry. <laughs> Did you know that Miss Hannigan is one of my dream roles? No way. I would play, be a great Miss Hannigan. You would be an excellent Miss Hannigan. Can we do Annie? That's we my, should do that's, Annie. We should do Annie. My... I want to play June. Who the fuck is June? One of the uh, one of the orphans. Oh, okay. The you just you don't want to be Annie. No, I was Annie. Oh, were you? When I was in third grade, I played Annie. I wore like a red ass clown wig. It was incredible. Terrible. I would pay to see that. My dad <laughs> makes fun of me every time about just like how <laughs> ridiculous I looked in this fucking wig. I didn't even look cute. I just looked bad. <laughs> like I believe that. Yeah, I looked really <laughs> bad. They had like a like. Full ass third grader playing Mrs. Hannigan. Like, Good. what the fuck? Like, and she was supposed to be getting like drunk and shit. Like, yeah. Looking back on it now, I'm like, how did we get away with like that? Like Miss Hannigan and Rooster and yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I'm just like, whoa, how did that happen? Okay, question yeah. for the audience and for you, Jessica. Okay, sure. Did you ever play a role when you were really young that you look back on now and you're like, why did I do that? Or like someone that you knew, like playing a really dramatic, like a very like adult or dramatic role? Yeah. Um, kind of. Like, like yes, but that that's the nature of, I guess, like high school theater. Yeah. I, you know? But like, I'm talking, like that was elementary school for me. Sure, <laughs> sure. I mean, I know that like, I know some people who were like in like junior Shakespeare shows who played like, like fucking Lady Macbeth. <laughs> like, Being like, out damn spot out. <laughs> I think about, so uh, when my brother was in sixth grade, he, <laughs> I thought he was like an amazing actor. And oh this my was God. A, this is when my brother like <laughs> wanted to, wanted to act. No way. And so he was 11. I was six. Oh no. And I thought he was like the cat's pajamas. Of course you did. Of course I did. And um he got cast as Ebenezer Scrooge <gasps> in a Christmas Carol. Oh my god. Shamanad College Preparatory Middle School. Of course he did. In, of course in he Chatsworth, did. California. Uh-huh. And I remember going to that show and being like, this is the best piece of theater I've ever seen. <laughs> Cut to like 10 years later. <laughs> I find the VHS tape for this and I was like, I have to watch this shit. Of and I watched it and I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, he was incredible for an 11 year old. Yeah. But keep in mind, my brother was like this short little kid with spiky hair and Ew. glasses and they no. did nothing to age him. And he's just walking around. <laughs> In a nightgown? No. What? No, they had him in like a- like, like pajamas. They didn't put him in pajamas. They had him in like, in like a three-piece suit. It why? was very straight. I don't know why. Did they did they go like the Scrooge McDuck route? Did they uh, try yeah, to make him all dapper? Yeah, he, he was like a dapper guy, but he had a little British accent and he was his accent was great. Oh, really? <laughs> Fantastic accent work. Nice. But just walking around being like, no, Bob Cratchit. No money for the poor. Bah humbug. It's just crazy to me to think about, like, like if I ever have kids, yeah. thinking about the sheer fact that, like, if they ever want to go into theater yeah. and they're going to come home from school one day, like, as a second grader, being like, Mom, Dad, guess what I got cast as? And we're like, wait, what show are y'all doing? We're doing company. <laughs> uh, cabaret. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Kit Kat girl and I'm 12. Chicago. <laughs> I'm Velma Kelly. 
See, when I think of, I'm just like, oh, if I have kids someday, I'm like just full stop. I'm going to have to sit through children's theater. Oh, my God. The end. Fuck that. I didn't even <laughs> want to do that when I was a kid. No. I was like, what are all these bitches doing up I there? I was like, I'm amazing. Everyone else here is garbage. <laughs> That's so funny because I never thought that. I was always just like, damn x person got the role i wanted sure like we did like when uh when we were doing like mulan jr by the way mulan jr mulan jr at my elementary school in like fourth grade yeah yeah yeah. i just remember like i got cast as the like old grandma the one who's like the one who's like fucking lucky cricket or whatever she says beats of jade for beauty (laughs) 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 and i just remember like seething with with jealous envy like like yeah. a d- disgustingly green green monster envy kermit. at the person yes i was kermitted <laughs> i was positively kermitted at the little girl uh-huh. basically who got mushu i was very upset <laughs> I was like, I want to wear the red dragon costume. Why can't I wear the red dragon costume? I love that you wanted to be Mushu and not Mulan. No. I fucking love that. Who gave a fuck about Mulan? Nobody cares about Mulan. Nobody cares. Everyone cares about the side characters, baby. The side characters. Exactly. This is why the live action Mulan did not do well. This is why. It's because they were no side characters. Precisely. They just focused on like the witchcraft. <laughs> and wizardry. <laughs> it was just Harry Potter. It was Harry Potter. Set in like old ancient China. Yes. <laughs> like dynasty China. But it's it's They're the same Hog- movie. It's Hogwarts. Huh? <laughs> Huh? Disney? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, All right. Well, that was enough of a, you know, sidebar. Sorry, sorry, guys. No, no, it's okay. I really like that. That was a fun, we'll, that was fun. We'll get to the main enchilada. The main man. The ganache, if you will, yeah, inside yeah, yeah, yeah. of the lava cake. Yes. What are you here for? What are you here for? What do you stand for? <laughs> what do you believe? I believe. Yeah. In Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, fuck yeah. I believe in young Leo. I believe in baby Leo. I believe in now Leo. I believe in the Leo who dates 20-year-olds. Is it problematic? Yes. I believe in the Leo who (laughs) drives a Prius (laughs) in Los Angeles. I believe in the Leo who pretends to take paparazzi photos of Jonah Hill. I believe in the Leo who has the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation, and I'm not sure what it does. (laughs) I believe. I believe in you, Leo. So, Monica, why don't you tell me about our boy, Leo? I will. And be in, you prepare to be in utter shock at his middle name, because okay. I know I was. Okay, in more shock than I was at Robin Williams' name. Yes. Okay. More okay. shock. I'm ready. ready. <clears throat> Leonardo Wilhelm DiCaprio. <laughs> oh, it's Wil- Wilhelm. Wilhelm. <laughs> <laughs> Wilhelm DiCaprio. Leonardo Wilhelm DiCaprio. Who the fuck named him? I don't know. <laughs> it's spelled Wil- Wilhelm. Wilhelm. It w- might be pronounced Wilhelm. W-I-L-H-E-L-M. 
Wilhelm. Okay. All right, I accept that. Uh, such an odd middle name, though. Yeah, I wonder. His what, name is fucking Leonardo. I wonder. Well, you know why his name is Leonardo? Da Vinci. Yeah, because when his mom was pregnant, was pregnant with him. Was pregnant. When his mom <laughs> was carrying him in her dang old uterus, right there. Uh huh. She was sitting down and staring at a picture of Leonardo. A picture of. <laughs> she was. Sitting down, staring at like a Leonardo da Vinci painting for like, all nine months, <laughs> just the whole time. No, when she was like very pregnant. I with see, him. I see. Okay, and uh, and uh, as soon as she like sat down to like look at the painting, mm-hmm. he uh, little Leo kicked in her in her in her womb. Oh, I see. And, the, and so the fruit of thy womb was then named Leonardo. He recognizes good art in all in all. Amen. <laughs> all right. So what about Leonardo Wilhelm DiCaprio? Leonardo Wilhelm DiCaprio is an American actor, film producer, and environmentalist. He is. His entire Instagram has not a single photo of himself. It's just environmental. His whole push is let us have the planet back to its original condition. Please. (laughs) Not mint. Perfect condition. (laughs) Not regular. Perfect condition. Right. And he will pour all of his hard-earned Quentin Tarantino money into it. He's often played unconventional roles, particularly in biopics, biopics. I say biopics because it's biographical. Picks. I know, but I'm I'm annoyed that this is even a controversial. I like, know people topic. do say biopics, and it really it really irks my gears, me. man. It, it really rustles my jimmies. It gets my goat. Biopics <laughs> makes the most sense. Yes, agreed. Uh, and period films. He started out in television before moving on to film, scoring an Oscar nomination for his role in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Came mm-hmm. out in 1993. In 1997, not very much later, DiCaprio starred in James Cameron's epic drama and box office explosion, Titanic, which made him a true Hollywood star. He starred in The Aviator, The Departed, Inception, Django Unchained, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, baby. Despite all of these fire films he won his first and only oscar with the revenant back in 2015 (laughs) where he hid inside of a bear that's how you get a fucking oscar you say no lines and you you hide inside of a carcass you hide inside of a carcass uh was it no it was inside of a horse no it was a bear no he got attacked by a bear and he hid inside of a horse horse. yes Yes. you are absolutely correct you're right i'm wrong you're right it's okay it's okay uh, DiCaprio is by far the most coveted actor by studio heads and top tier directors, offering that rare blend of prestige and box office prowess. Even with all of this success, he is the rare A-lister who doesn't work with an agent. Oh, shit, Fun fact. That's our Leo, baby. Wow. wow, wow I wow. know. Leo, not a literal daddy. Can, I know. Has no children. None ridiculous i feel like he never will yeah i feel like he was not put on this earth to have babies unless he'll pull a george clooney and do it Mm. real late i will say george and and damal have like have some some else they have like a different g they're a different breed of people this is true uh leo is george wasn't dating teenagers no george was not dating teenagers (laughs) so i think we're you know reminding ourselves of that yeah 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 yeah, right right Uh uh leo is still a child at heart correct (laughs) yes 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 if you look at romeo plus juliet 
that's who he is still. He, he's still like that. He's still, what's he in Gilbert Grip? He's still like that. <laughs> well, I don't know if he's like, what's he in Gilbert <laughs> That's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the first movie that we're going to talk about uh, is it's an interesting one. Um, so this is The Basketball Diaries. Came out in 1995, the year of my birth. Directed by Scott Calvert, who we have a connection to, and we will get into yes, that. Yes, this movie is now very near and dear to our hearts. Yes. Screenplay by Brian Goloboff, I think is how you say his name, based on the novel The Basketball Diaries by Jim Carroll. Jim Carroll, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, is consumed by his life as a high school basketball star, pressured by a wicked coach, played by Bruno Kirby, a.k.a. the guy who plays Jess in When Harry Met Sally. Yes! <laughs> and a concerned mother, played by Lorraine Bracco. Jim develops an appetite for heroin. Soon, the mean streets of New York City have replaced the basketball court as his main destination. Jim and his friends scrounge, steal, and prostitute themselves to score drugs. Jim's only chance to escape addiction may be Reggie, played by Ernie Hudson, a neighborhood friend and Hoop's companion. Whew. Dun, dun, dun. What a movie. I had never seen this movie. I had been told about it for a very long time, as it being like absolutely heartbreaking and one of leo's best like really early roles yeah yeah i i have i've also like never seen this movie up until this point um just gonna i kind of like chose it on a whim yeah uh because of the sheer fact that all i ever heard about this movie was good things yeah exactly involving leo's performance mm-hmm. and just like the overall like the the movies i think is a banger as far yeah. as like as far as like what it did for Leo's career and like just just its impact in society. I, I don't know a single person who hasn't seen this movie, to be honest with you. I feel like I know people who haven't seen it who are our age. Or but I feel like like the like not even the generation before us, but like our older siblings. Yes, correct. Like you people know what in I mean? their 30s. Yes. Have so seen like this movie. People in their 30s. Every person I've ever met is like, oh my God, Leo, the basketball diaries. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like everyone who was born in like the mid nineties onward. Correct. Shout out to who. <laughs> um, everyone born in the mid nineties and onward are like, mm, I've heard of that movie and I heard he's, he did great, but I yeah. haven't seen it. Yeah. Which I, I find to be such an interesting disparity. Yeah. I mean, it's especially hard now because it's literally impossible to find. Okay. Yeah. I just want to preface everything <laughs> by saying to all of you, we can't even recommend you go watch this movie because it's available nowhere. It's literally not available um, anywhere. Which, by the way, to put the final nail in the coffin on a completely unrelated note, sure. the final nail in the fucking coffin of the goddamn Judas and the Black Messiah saga <laughs> was, the. for those of you who have kept up thus far, uh-huh. thank you. <laughs> Aaron... Our sound guy and my husband. Monica's husband. And my ex-friend after this. Your ex-friend and quite possibly my (laughs) ex-husband found Judas and the Black Messiah in an unopened envelope from SAG Uh at the bottom of a mail pile Uh that has been there for months. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So that, that whole goddamn like hunt you remember how how hard we tried it was a true hullabaloo yeah in every sense of the I word i think we rescheduled that recording like five times like five times because i was like <laughs> i cannot get this dv i i went i went to different cities to yep. find this thing okay <laughs> so all that to say final nail in the coffin it's dead i just wanted to give you guys a satisfying ending yes 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 yeah very unsatisfying <laughs> for jessica and i satisfying for y'all yeah regardless you cannot see 
the basketball diaries anywhere i would recommend asking an older friend if they have the dvd yeah because that's how we watched it that's how we watched i it. happen to have the dvd in like old dvds at my mom's house mm-hmm. so of course she did because it was just <laughs> like, such a seminal hit classic yeah, to be honest yeah. with you the only thing that's really frustrating about the dvd is that you cannot adjust the aspect ratio no it's like which a, means that you're required to watch this movie in like a tiny box within your much larger tv screen which makes it look like it's trying to be an art house film but it is <laughs> It's not <laughs> but it's not and so then you kind of like watch it in a slightly different lens <laughs> which i just find to be hilarious yeah it is it is pretty funny but still nonetheless enjoyable and impressive and heartbreaking we'll get into it yeah, yeah 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 so right off the bat first thing i want that i want to say is like the courage that leonardo dicaprio had to a take on this project yeah at the time in his career yeah a take on this project and B the amount of vulnerability he had to showcase at such a young age. Like yeah. woof. Yeah. Like woof. he was making clear. I, I feel like taking this role could have been seen as a bit of a risk because I feel like he was, he might've felt like he was pigeonholing himself in these like very dramatic roles. Yeah. yeah. So he had just done what's eating Gilbert grape where he played a neurodivergent kid and he got an Oscar nomination for it. And then he does this movie where he's a heroin addict <laughs> as like a 15 year old. And like, it's just fucking insane. Yeah. This movie. Yeah. Like I mentioned in his bio, he really goes for these unconventional roles yeah. and he doesn't make films as often as you would think he makes them. Mm-hmm. So for him to sort of like take this on is in and of itself, like a mass, like a massive, a huge swing in yeah. my opinion. Um, and just the amount of like the sheer guttural vulnerability that he had to show in this film and at the caliber that he delivered at such a young age is like highly impressive. I have never seen Leo act like that and I've mm-hmm. seen him in every film he's ever been in. Yeah, like it's it's funny and this is the fun, this is one of the many fun parts about doing this podcast is that Monica and I are often very familiar with like current works of actors, but we're not super familiar with like the first thing that they did. So it's fun to get to go back and see where they started, but it's really fun with people like Leo when you go back and you watch and you're like, he was just as fucking good when he was, cause he was 21 when he made this or 20. Yeah, like yeah. he was just as good. He had the same charisma that he has now mm-hmm. And that's not to say that his acting hasn't grown and evolved, yeah. but like the pillars I would say of his acting style have always been there. And that's like really, really cool to see. I think what we have to remember in certain cases like these, where we encounter someone like Leonardo DiCaprio doing what he does for as long as he's done it. I think what we have to remember is, you know, the whole debate of like talent versus luck, talent yeah. versus hard work. Here you have, raw unfiltered talent yeah someone who came out of the fucking womb (laughs) with an immense amount of talent natural ability natural skill so for being as young as he was knowing what he did having as nuanced of a performance as he had you just have to remember that there are some people born on this planet to act yeah and leonardo dicaprio is one of them totally agreed and we're talking like big like old if you think of those like old hollywood like golden age stars yeah he would fit right in Yeah, he's like a brando i would say oh he's a total brando yeah um i would like he in my eyes he's one of like the last big hollywood stars in my eyes i i would agree especially like of that time someone who like really came up through the 90s and is in like 
he's he's an absolute icon and i feel like we have less of these icons now yeah less and less we really have people who like steal the moment yeah like yeah, the yeah. 15 minutes of fame like that kind of thing and we you know we praise and acknowledge them for totally. it because it's well deserved but there's just so much going on in the world that like finding a gem like leo is really fucking hard yeah right and so I'm, I look at people like Daniel Kaluuya, right? Mm-hmm. And think to myself, like, he's he's going to be what Leo is to us now. Yeah. In the future. I agree. Period. Like, there are some people you, that you can look at and know that. Mm-hmm. Leo just, like, paved the way for the people of today. But he, in my mind, is, like, one of the last Hollywood film stars. Totally. And looking back, all this to say, looking back on the Basketball Diaries, mm-hmm. you just see that raw... God given, universe given, whatever the fuck talent yeah. that you genuinely can't find too often. Yeah. And in the basketball diaries, there's so many scenes where he has to be a covered in like sweat and blood and shit and whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, very all of like train spotting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's like, it's very gross at times, but he doesn't lose that like boyish sensibility of like, yes, the world has treated me like shit, but I, I'm still like confident and cocky and mm-hmm. I can still figure my way around because I'm a, I'm a teenage boy in New York yeah. and that's part of his charisma. Yeah, no, totally. He does have that sort of cockiness, but I think one of the, uh, one of the best parts of how he like nuanced this role is, is like he still maintains that boyish innocence in a way. And you especially see that in the scenes that he has with his mom, which are like fucking heartbreaking. Gut-wrenching. And to be that young and to play that kind of misery and desperation, I would think is very hard. But then I look at how Leo did it. And he honestly, to me at least, plays it very straight. Because like, he's he's a teenager and when you're a teenager you have just like these very pure emotions like you're just responding to this to like the desperation of like your hormones and like your surroundings like your brain is your brain is going fucking insane yeah and so yeah it's just like his his performance is very simple in a lot of ways but it's like it's incredibly deep at the same time yeah and you know the scene that stood out to me, quite frankly, the most of all of the scenes mm-hmm. is the scene where uh, it's really graphic, by the way. So sorry. Sorry to y'all listening. If yeah, you wanna, this, like, mo- this movie's fucking rough. It's very rough. <laughs> like I, yeah, it's it's just, it's very, it's very real and like mm-hmm. raw. And it, it does paint, you know, to Jessica's point, like, I mean, I'll let her tell you, but like sure. the, the, the picture of addiction that it paints is, is, one yeah (laughs) one small picture um and the way that that it sort of like move like the way that the story progresses gets frequently more and more like intense and a lot more graphic yeah and so the scene that comes to mind when i if if i had to choose like one scene where he is really like he's really giving it to us um is the scene where he is really desperate for money it's the scene where he relapses mm-hmm. and so he like starts hanging around like a bathroom uh, essentially like using you know going into sex work yeah um for money and he like sees um he sees this guy and he's like okay great you have money wonderful like let's go into the bathroom and he is allowing this guy to like give him a blowjob mm-hmm. and he is like the his face goes from like 
okay, like I've got this, like just do it. You need the money. And then like immediately going into, wow, I cannot believe I'm here right now. Like this is happening. Like I'm letting myself do this for money, for heroin. Like this is happening. And the fear and like the self-hatred and the pain that just flashes through this boy, Mm -hmm. quite frankly, this boy's face is alarming and gut-wrenching and makes you feel incredibly moved and like you forget what's happening you forget that this is a very inherently sexual situation this is just him again to your point like feeling those huge raw pure teenage emotions and letting it out as best he can while this is happening Mm -hmm. to him like almost disassociating in a way yeah and the fact that he fucking hit as hard with that shit like (laughs) being like 21 is <laughs> yeah. Insane. Like yeah. actually and I had to pause for a second and be like he just did that. Yeah. Period. Yeah. <laughs> like thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. And end scene. Yeah. And something about the direction in that scene that I that I'd love to comment on just because it's so brilliant mm-hmm. is he sees his like former coach like as yeah. as it's happening because his former coach in this movie is like <laughs> the worst a a, a child molester yeah yeah like tried at one point tried like sexually harassment like tried to get him to pay him for sex pay him for sex it was like really horrible um and the director like has him like coming into the scene and like in almost like a dream sequence this movie has a lot of like dream sequences where like things are happening but they're not real Mm -hmm. um and it's fucking gut-wrenching to just watch this goddamn exchange wild yeah no totally um the point that you mentioned earlier is that like yes this this movie is a very like convenient take on drug addiction and i don't know if that's how the book handles it i think it is yeah um because pretty much like he relapses and then his mom calls the cops on him because he's like pounding on her door asking for money she calls the cops and then it cuts to him and he got sober and now he's fine yeah like the end um, which is like it's not it's not that it's bad or that I don't think that this is the author's true experiences it's just like that tends to not be the norm and like it's it's a little too convenient for my taste mm-hmm. but it is redeemed I think by these incredibly deep like gut-wrenching moments mm-hmm. like the first time he gets like super, super high and he's still living with his mom and it's like yeah. right before she kicks him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's in the bathroom because he like can't stop vomiting because he's fucking high on heroin. Mm-hmm. And she's like crying and he's like leaning against the door and he's like, oh, you sad mom. Like you thought I was going to be like a good boy. And it's kind of scary. Yeah. Because he was an incredibly like kind kid up until that point. I mean, yeah. he was like a shitty teen. No, but he, yeah. Yeah. He was like, he he was a good boy. And like, that's, that's the fucking sad part is because you see this entire like like he has lost so much of his innocence in a way, but also his innocence is exaggerated because you're like, yeah, you are, you're like a good kid and this is fucking happening to you. It's so incredibly sad. It is. And 
I love the way that Leo interacts with the, with the other actors in every one of his scenes. Mm-hmm. And he, he gives so much for them to use yes. and, and reciprocate. And especially like with his buddies in all of his, like there are certain scenes in this movie that are like very much buddy scenes yeah. where he is causing mischief yes. with um the rest of his friends. Yeah. One of them being Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I told Monica before this, I was like, this is the only movie I like Mark Wahlberg. Uh, Where he is actually playing a very compelling character, like someone who is, you know, albeit a little bit like one dimensional, like he really only has like one need in life and that is drugs. Yeah. Um, but he, he's so compelling in that, like his performance is so grandiose. He's and, just like, a little shit and you know, he's, he's really good at it. He's just a little shit. And he, he's like, tra la la. Like I'm running around and like, <laughs> everyone's my bitch. And like, he fucking kills a man. Yeah. Uh, yep. He kills a dealer. Yep. Uh, and there's just so much drama in his performance and like i what's really funny is i used to know people like that like i used to know people who like live for the fucking drama and like everything they did was like a fucking opera like you know there are so many teenage boys in this world who take up so much space in the room (laughs) yes uh and who have to have the loudest voice Mm -hmm. and who have to have the biggest opinion and pull the most pranks and be the class like guy yeah you know what i mean and like he just played that character so well so so well that i was like i know who that is like i know (laughs) i know exactly who that is so our connection to to this movie is that and i we did not realize this when we decided to do the movie is that a friend of ours her name is madison hi madison shout out madison calver um her dad directed this movie um and she dm'd us on instagram and she was like you know, like, do you have any questions? I can give you some insight, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't have yes. any questions, but fucking tell me anything. Tell us you know? anything and everything. We love it. Yeah. So she sent us a bunch of bullet points and I'm just going to read them and we'll, we'll comment. Go if, for if it. Go them. for it. So she said that, um, she said, I know that when Leo came and auditioned, my dad, Scott Calvert, called uh, called my mom and said that he was perfect for the role. This was one of his first movies. So he wasn't super big before then. And that's true. He had only done What's Eating Gilbert Grape. And yeah. like, he got an Oscar nom, but- I mean, as we know, there are a lot of people who are one-off Oscar noms. Amen. And this kid, he was fucking 20 years old. Yeah, they were like, we don't need this kid. (laughs) We don't need this punk-ass bitch. Especially because he's just like so pretty. He's adorable. Like he's such a beautiful, like a boyish angel boy. Yeah, literally. (laughs) So when you see his face, you're like, he's not the heroine. (laughs) He doesn't look like he should do this. (laughs) Um. And so the next thing she said was my dad read the book in college. And from what his former roommates told my mom and I, he always knew he was going to make it as a movie. So when he pitched it and it got picked up, it was a huge deal for him. That must've been fucking cool. That is so brilliant. Yeah. Just Uh, like that realization of a, of a young dream. Oh yeah. I, I would say like, I feel like there are so many books uh, that people read and they think to themselves, Oh, you know what? Like it'd be cool if that was a movie. I love that he had, the like follow through mm-hmm. like is is inertia a word <laughs> it is a word <laughs> he had like the drive and the motivation yeah. to like actually make the dream a reality and it's so few and far between so, again so many people look at source material and go that'd be great that'd be a great blank totally and like it doesn't happen but the f- sheer fact that he had the vision for it mm-hmm. and went no i'm gonna i'm gonna see this room I'm, I'm gonna make this happen yeah is just absolutely brilliant to yeah me. and it was huge at the it had like it had such a moment and it became like it has become kind of like 
a cult favorite. Yeah. It is very 90s, very indicative of that time. And like um, Scott Calvert's background is directing music videos, like some really huge, famous music videos. Gorgeous music videos. Go look up his filmography. It's There's so many. And this movie feels a lot like that. It feels very dynamic and active in similar ways. So many of like the angles that he chose. So, so much of the camera work is so like alive Mm -hmm. and like in the action. Yeah. And I so appreciate that. Like everything that's going on in this movie is so specific and so stylized, Mm -hmm. but not in the same way that everyone else was doing stylized movies in the nineties. Agreed. So especially, especially like the dream sequences, because Mm -hmm. I I don't know about you, but when I was watching them, I was like, are these real? I know. And I, (laughs) I mean, I really loved that. You didn't know your foot was in both worlds. Yeah. You're both of you, like one foot was in each world. And like, I love that we, as the audience get to feel that alongside Leonardo DiCaprio like yeah. his character and it made me feel at the same time on edge mm-hmm. as I was feeling very like excited by yes. the things that were happening it was so weird and it and it was it was very much like a dream because yeah. if you ever realize that you're dreaming when you're dreaming you're like what the fuck <laughs> oh my yeah God. it gave a similar feeling and like that's that's hard to do yeah props um the next thing she said was leo and mark Wahlberg originally pretty much refused to work together but through the course of filming they got along i can see that yeah i mean like when <laughs> when like when someone goes yeah you're gonna be in a movie with marky mark like what the fuck are you gonna do <laughs> marky mark like <laughs> you don't want to be in a film with marky mark yeah um monica has some insight into this next part is that the movie originally didn't do very well because of the school shooting scene oh yeah okay so i do research on a lot of movies that that we you know talk yeah. about just because you know you want to know the trivia i want to know the trivia and shit yeah. and one of the one of the things that i found was that this movie uh was being sued on multiple occasions by various schools involved in multiple school shootings one of them being or the most famous being the columbine shooting mm-hmm. um and they were saying that like the main argument was that the scene where the uh main protagonist played by Leonardo DiCaprio is having like a, a dream hallucination under heroin. And he is under one nation under heroin um, <laughs> <laughs> on heroin. Uh, and he's like dressed in a very nineties, very made. He like, looks like the matrix. He looks like the matrix. <laughs> uh, very like matrix matrix esque long black trench coat and yes. he like walks into like a honestly a cartoonish version of his school it looks like it looks like a like a like a music video yeah, version or of like his school. <laughs> yeah it looks exactly yeah. like a music video like version of a school like it's kind of hazy yeah it's very <laughs> hazy like it looks like if like hot for teacher had like a set or something <laughs> like a very like van halen yes, like yes, you know yes. what i mean uh-huh. and so he like walks on and he's like shooting each classmate one by one yeah and, you know, obviously it is a very intense uh, thing to be, you know, talking about. And yes. rem- reminder that like this was the 90s and this was a very like stylistically driven choice. I'm sure it was in the book. Like I and obviously like he was very high on heroin. They, um, 
you know, the director was incredibly smart about it and put it in a dream sequence and the way he shot it, obviously it wasn't really happening. He didn't yeah. actually do that. And by the way, like every single time that the main character does something terrible, he feels remorse. Yes. Intense remorse. And he doesn't do anything to ever hurt anyone. No. Um, other than like emotionally hurt them. Yeah. And that robbery scene, but he didn't really, he wasn't like the active person. No, in there. he wasn't the active person in that. Yeah. So that was Marky Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and anyway, so I, it's just absolutely fascinating that it was involved in so many lawsuits um, because of like various school yeah. shootings. But quite frankly, it's like if you want to talk about like media influencing something like that, it's like that could really be anything. And that's yeah. what I mean. They were dropped like they're yeah. not active anymore. But like um, it's just funny to me seeing these you know not funny but like it's interesting to me seeing like these tragedies happen and people like trying to figure out where people are drawing this inspiration from to do these like heinous things i don't know that i would ever look to to uh films for something like that yeah i mean but that was also before like mental health awareness was a thing. So I think true now, especially for you and I in a liberal place like Los Angeles, like our first instinct is to go, well, what, what's their mental health status rather than like, what movie did they watch? Right. Right. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like, it's very interesting to me growing up in this time. Right. And being, and being a teenager in a different time than 1995. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Thinking, you know, my first instinct is not to be like, what well what movie did they watch that made them want to do this right so it's just interesting i think like art and art has like the capability to like change minds and lives and like fucking reshape society that's for fucking sure so it's just interesting it it just opens up this like plethora of debate for like what can art actually do and how like how far do you go to like blame something for for you know someone to, to driving someone to do something yeah, right totally so very interesting but i love that this film just like had that um had that moment in in the in the sun during the 90s when everyone was like super fucking into this movie yeah just like such a big impact such a huge impact. such a huge impact um and the last the last little note i have from her is that she says that her mom adores leo and thinks that he had a crush on her on set but that's hearsay <laughs> You know what? I don't think that's hearsay. I think that's fact. Me too. Let's just say it now. And like Madison's mom is so beautiful. <laughs> I've never met Madison's mom. Oh, she's a catch. Okay. Hell yeah. She is mwah, a catch. And I can absolutely believe that Leo was like, oh, hot Leo for, must have been hot for Mrs. All Calvert. over her 100%. <laughs> I don't think it's hearsay. <laughs> so yeah so thanks madison for sending that to us we really appreciate it yeah thank you for sharing a little bit um from uh from what your dad told you yeah that's that's freaking awesome and i love i love having personal connections to films like it just makes it that much sweeter totally if any of the if any of you also have parents who direct movies and uh (laughs) no stars please write us which I realize how silly that sounds. I know. Uh, I realize it's mostly a if joke. If you're living in like, I don't know, Minnesota, like I realize how silly that sounds. I know we have one one German listener. I realize how silly that sounds. Well, we do. But, you know, we live in Los Angeles. It's true. It's true. We and, brush shoulders with the stars. And the unfortunate thing is I've seen Ashton Kutcher get into a Tesla. Yeah, so, you know, it's just how it is. It's he just was, how it is. He was the assistant coach of Harvard Westlake's football team when I went to high school. It's like, like, it's just how it be. What are you going to do? You know, you know, 
It's just our life. It's just our life. Okay, Monica, next film. This was your pick. So this is my pick. I'm excited. Uh, I'm not going to talk very much about this movie. I'm just <laughs> I have a, a single comment. So, <gasps> Guys, it's 930. So we are getting crazy. We're getting crazy. <laughs> Uh, this movie is, of course, I know, I'm going to let you guys finish it. One, two, three, Gangs of New York. I feel like they would not have guessed that. I feel like I people know. would be like, The Departed. The, oh, I do love The Departed. <laughs> I do. And full, like, full disclosure, we would have done it. We would have like, done it. We need something to talk about for Matt Damon. It's true. <laughs> We're, but, you know, but, you know, enjoy. Enjoy the upcoming Matt Damon episode that yeah, will absolutely. happen eventually. We won't tell you when, but it will. Soon, yeah. Uh, after this, probably this next person, which you also don't know. <laughs> We're in so much secret water. We love keeping it secret. Secret hot dog water. <laughs> Gangs of New York came out in 2002, directed by Martin Scorsese, screenplay by Jay Cox, Stephen Zalian? Yes. And Kenneth Lonergan. Lonergan. Lonergan? Lonergan. Who knows? Based on the book, The Gangs of New York by Herbert Asbury. Or Ashbury. Either one. There's no H, though. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Amsterdam Valen, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, is a young Irish immigrant released from prison. He returns to the five points seeking revenge against his father's killer, Willem Cutting, played by Daniel Day-Lewis. Of course a powerful anti-immigrant gang leader. He knows that revenge can only be attained by infiltrating Cutting's inner circle. Amsterdam's journey becomes a fight for personal survival and to find a place for the Irish people in 1860s Nueva York. See. Wow. What a film. What a film. Let's get this out of the way. Daniel Day-Lewis is the star of this movie. Yeah, this is his movie. We aren't going to talk about him because we might reuse it. Yeah. So (laughs) you will hear nothing about Daniel. We might, we might mention him. He's fucking amazing. He's fucking phenomenal in this movie. His mustache is phenomenal in this movie. The the glass eye. The glass eye. The real fucking glass contact. I just want to, I want to put out a very blanket statement that if you have never seen this movie, you cannot call yourself a film stan. (laughs) You really can't. I mean, I get it. It is three hours and it's a little bit of a slog. It is a slog, but (laughs) that's true. But if, if, if you like films and if you like people and if you like art, you'll like this movie. Yeah. Also, if you like New York, also, if you like accents, also, if you like Cameron Diaz, if you like E.T., the child in E.T. is in this movie. Yeah, he's in this movie. Also, Cameron Diaz. Also, Cameron Diaz. Mm, There's a lot of daddies in this movie. Too many Liam Neeson, John C. Riley, Cameron Diaz, Daniel Day-Lewis. If you like people, yeah, if you like people, you'll like this movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Anyway, Leo's accent work in this movie is good. It's pretty good. It's good. It's pretty good. I I think it is saved yeah. by his whole like I'm pretending to be another person. That's so true. I'm not going to sound as Irish because I grew up in America. Like I think it's saved by that. Yeah, and I guess you're right. That was I just wanted to start off strong with a strong critique of his accent. <laughs> no, totally. I I one completely agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of the only thing that that has ever really thrown me off of, uh, about his performance specifically is yeah. just the sheer fact that I never buy that he's from fucking Ireland. Well, when you first hear his voiceover, 
I'm pretty sure he's doing it without an accent. Yeah, straight up. Just as Neil. (laughs) It comes in a little later. Very confusing. And I go like, was he doing it before and I missed it? I think it was a choice. (laughs) I really do. I think he started off soft and then he became more Irish. Or like he started off without it. And then once he revealed who he was, then he had the accent. Like once he revealed to the the audience who he was. Um, This movie is like so chock full of story yeah it is a slog because it is you know we like a tight 90 uh (laughs) this is the this this is is a a double 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 the 90 uh i always watch this movie in two parts same that's what i um yeah i the first time i ever watched this movie was in middle school health class what the fuck i don't even know why bro like (laughs) legit middle school health class we were reading a book about eating disorders and it was eighth grade. Uh-huh. And so it's like that health class where you like learn about sure, like sure, sure. everything. Yeah. So we were reading a novel, a uh-huh. fictional novel on an eating disorder. Uh-huh. Question mark. And then like no science, no data, uh-huh. no repercussions, just up like it had a pink cover. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A novel on eating disorders. Our teacher looked at all of us and went, it's, you know, we have to, like, watch a movie on, like, the subject matter, which made no sense, by the way, and then put on Gangs of New York. That doesn't make any sense. I and think you're, broke it up into four periods. I think your teacher just wanted to watch. I think she just wanted to watch Gangs of New York. <laughs> uh, wow. I wow. know. That's funny. I know. <laughs> I was the one in charge of writing down the timestamp whenever we finished it five minutes before the bell rang. Of course you were. Because we broke it up into four parts. So... <laughs> Just, oh my God, insanity. Anyway, that was the first time I watched it. Uh, Second time I watched it at school, by Mm -hmm. the way, again, was in my AP US history class. We watched it for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I mean, not for whatever reason. Uh, obviously, like we talk about that time period in in United States history. Yes, it's actually a big part of AP U.S. history. Yeah, this um, movie is a big statement about like the connection between like American democracy and like immigrants and et cetera. And et like cetera. that era of like anti-Irish yeah. immigration, anti-immigration in general, yes. and like and like what stirred up. I mean, this is basically based off of a fucking textbook. Yeah, like the the novel. It's not a novel. It's it's a nonfiction book. Like yeah. It's, like if you ever read the Magic Treehouse series, the fucking companion book with that I've comes, never, I've never okay, read well, that. Okay, well, fuck you. Okay, I'm just saying. Like, there's a there's a book. There's a Magic Treehouse series sure. book with Jack and Annie, and uh-huh. they travel whenever they fucking touch a book or some shit yeah, yeah, in the yeah. goddamn treehouse, and they're in the treehouse, and they're like, I want to go there, and then they go, yeah, and they're on the fucking pirate island or whatever, sure. or like Pompeii, and they're fucking, they have like pillows on their heads, ah, and so what happens is. <laughs> There's always a companion book uh-huh. to the actual novel. I see. So in the companion book, it's like a nonfiction book that's about the time period Got that it. the kids are going to in the fiction book. I see. I rest my case. Okay. That's what this book is, is the companion <laughs> novel. To Gangs of New York. Or, the sorry, the, the companion nonfiction book to Gangs of New York, the film. I see. I see. Yeah, this movie is meaty this is a it's a meaty movie and i will say that like in terms of martin scorsese's work this is not my favorite scorsese film nor do i think it's very indicative of like his artistic style but it's an impressive film because of the the scale like it's fucking massive this was 
this movie is an achievement because of the scale. <laughs> the scale, the scope, the whole goddamn enchilada. Like the period, like, and they built these huge sets inside of a studio in fucking Italy. And like, it's it's insane. It's fucking insane. It's huge. Um, And the performances had to be just as massive. Yes. Enter Leonardo DiCaprio. Enter Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, In my opinion... I think I personally think that it's important to distinguish that like Leo is not good in this because Amsterdam is a hard character or like a very colorful character. No, not he's at all. important because like he's the lens through which we have to see everything else. And we need to be able to trust him in this fucking insane world with all of these moving parts. And everything is very foreign to us because I don't know about you, but I don't know what the fucking five points are. No, or one I knows didn't before. Yeah. <laughs> and even now I don't like have a great grasp on what it is, but like he manages to get us to stick with him through all through this absolutely insane story and this huge world. And that's, that is an achievement in and of itself and to still deliver a nuanced performance and hold intention and emotion, et cetera, et cetera, doing his job as an actor, like while leading us through. I think that is like the achievement of this role. Yeah, it's a very violent film. <laughs> yes. There's a lot, like it, it's a very violent film. There is a fucking like, like there there is a street war going on. Yeah, that's the opening. That's the whole opening. And like it, you just, you get sucked right into it. There is really no, there is no like, soft like ah this is our this is our world and this is where we live it's very like it's very visceral and violent and it brings you into an experience that not a lot of people ever experience in fact no one alive has ever experienced Mm -hmm. and so when you're asking an, an actor as young as leo in 2002 to play a character like this and to have the amount of grit and to have the amount of honestly like spunk mm-hmm. that this that that a character like this needs to have albeit not very colorful yeah. and um not very like flashy like not as flashy as daniel day lewis's character yeah but still incredibly memorable be- memorable because it's leonardo dicaprio giving him giving everyone like this charismatic flair and an intense level of grit that you don't necessarily get to see from him very often yeah because i mean it really is a revenge story i think at its root uh, other than the historical significance of this movie like when it comes down to character this movie is about revenge but i think the interesting part is that his revenge isn't like rooted in anger so much it's rooted in like honor and duty and the subject of honor comes up a lot in really really fascinating ways to me that you don't expect because like you're presented with daniel day lewis's character and like you think that he's just a fucking monster initially but that's not who he is that's not who any of these people are they aren't just like violent for violence sake they're violent because of beliefs that they have about america and about the political system that we might think are insane, but like to them, it is a core value and they don't kill people unless it's an honorable thing to do. Right. 
and they like kill them according to how much honor they believe that they deserve. It's very, it's really interesting. It's very interesting. And it's also, it makes you think a lot about like specifically the scales of justice. Yes. Right. And really all they seek is to balance out those scales. Like not Mm -hmm. a, not a morsel more, like not a nugget more, not a nugget less. Like you're really looking to balance those, those scales. I think with a lot of revenge stories, you come to find that like, it's more about balance. It's less about balancing the scales and more about, you know, seeking some kind of catharsis for all of these like this built up emotion yeah when they've distanced themselves so far from that emotion actually and go back to what is the principle of this like why are why is it that i am actually seeking this revenge and will it bring this world anything positive Mm -hmm. if yes then it is to balance these scales right it's balance the scales of justice if no we kind of just leave it alone. Like it's not going to help anyone. If I kill so-and-so it's going to make X, Y, and Z's life a million times harder. And it's going to then ruin the like local ecology of our, of our, you know, town or whatever. And therefore I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So it's very pragmatic in looking at how, you know, someone like Amsterdam's character or quite frankly, the other, a lot more colorful characters in this movie operate. They operate, on on a on a sheer sense of what is going to bring balance yeah to our society our family our group our culture yeah and they operate based on that principle yeah it's a very chaotic world but it's like it's strategic chaos in a way absolutely and like a food chain yeah like obviously it's fucking nuts because it's the five points and everyone's insane and there's it's literally gang wars because it's the gangs of new york literally and but there's this hierarchy it's it's this ecosystem that i mean ultimately daniel day lewis is the one trying to maintain it he's he's like the leader that everyone kind of has to bow down to um and but even though it's like fucking nuts it is strategic and that's that's really interesting to watch and to watch leo like navigate it so seamlessly yeah and just like chameleon himself he's very unassuming in this because he has to be because amsterdam can't give up that he's the priest's son exactly because otherwise daniel day lewis will realize like oh this fucking kid is gonna kill me because i because i killed his father father. and yes i also think that this movie allows leonardo dicaprio to do something that he hasn't done before which is to not be like not be the golden boy or not be the pretty boy or not be like someone not being like a true leading character because yeah. this really isn't his movie. No, we're just using him to, to look at the events that are going on to see exactly what's happening and how it's happening and how it's affecting him and how it's affecting his life. But not because, not because he's like, okay, this is the character that is going to change everything. Yeah. Really that's Daniel D. Lewis's character and where we see the most changes in Daniel D. Lewis's character. Mm-hmm. So really like it gives Leonardo DiCaprio the chance to do what I think he does really well, which is to take a like almost bland character and give it a little bit of something extra, like a boost of something yeah. while still maintaining that like, that like nonchalance or that like unassuming nature that this character has. So like, I love this movie because there are so many intense characters like Cameron Diaz's character, Daniel yeah. Lewis's character. Like there are some really big characters in this mm-hmm. movie and he is like almost like a palate cleanser. Yes. Where 
he all of the characters are being pushed through his lens and we are like a like he what he provides is like a palate cleanser to cleanse us of like the insanity that these characters are yes and allows the movie to continue on for fucking three hours long exactly because if it was too if it was all of these fucking characters like all coming at the audience like that like we would not be able to watch this movie for three fucking hours no leonardo dicaprio was the reason why this movie can actually be three hours long exactly and like while i think three hours is a little much what i will say is that like a movie of this length because it is like because it is so grand you can't fucking put it in 90 minutes you can't put it in two hours like the the benefit of a three-hour film is getting to watch this evolution and leo's evolution as a character is very slow i would argue it's a very it's like a candle it's like one of those irish candles (laughs) an irish candle (laughs) (laughs) it's a very very slow burn until ultimately like there is the part where Daniel Day-Lewis finds out that he's the priest's son and then it goes fucking insane. And like, that's the scene where shit goes crazy. Yeah. And then after that, he really like comes into his own and he's really like fucking in it and he's not fucking around. And you watched him mature, mature through this and he brings back like the dead rabbits gang and he's going to take back the five points. And it's just like, it's really cool to see that, to like finally be rewarded at the end of these three hours. Yes. To get to see that. To get to, to, get to see victory in the take back. To yes. get to see victory in the redistribution of the territory. Yeah. Because that is what you're fighting for this entire three fucking hours long yes. is the redistribution, is, is the balancing of those scales that we yeah. were talking about. It's like bringing the piece back. Yeah. Because no one is there to fight all the fucking time. No. No one is there to do that. No one enjoys it. No one. Not even Billy. Like, no one fucking enjoys this shit. Like, everyone wants to go home. Like, <laughs> everyone wants peace. But it sort of shows you, like, what democracy looked like at this time. Exactly. And, like, how people manipulated this system to gain power in ways that were incredibly inequitable. Yeah. And to t- essentially terrorize and effectively terrorize this like area of the city so genuinely i think this movie was an achievement much like what you said because of its scale and because of like its messaging i think i think no movie should be three hours long yeah (laughs) like i stand by that i think that if this movie were to come out today in the same exact way that it did it would have been a fucking mini series on HBO. probably yeah, like, yeah yeah it literally would have just been a fucking mini series on hbo and, and honestly like it probably parts. would have been more effective as yeah, a series absolutely especially because the messaging of the movie does kind of shift at the end absolutely. because like leo's intention doesn't become about revenge anymore it becomes he's operating from a perspective of duty rather than a perspective of revenge which i think is much more satisfying because i don't know about you but i find revenge very unsatisfying revenge is always unsatisfying because you get to the point where the person kills so and so for doing whatever whatever yeah and you're like all right it's over cool guess that's it but that doesn't bring back the person that they killed yeah Yeah, and now that guy's dead and you're person's also dead so yeah and then it makes this is the one part of the movie that's kind of like is that at the very end it kind of tries to make this statement about like these stories fade (laughs) oh yeah just blend into history and like no one will remember they were there and then you're kind of like then why did i just sit through three fucking hours (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, oh my god oh my god it's fine it was a great time yeah i mean it's a fantastic film if you get the chance to watch it if you have three hours of your fucking life to spare i would actually really i I would encourage you to watch i would totally recommend it like and also there there are some interesting i mean the whole movie is interesting but like i wouldn't expect leonardo dicaprio and cameron diaz to have good chemistry like when i think of when i think of like artistes i don't think of cameron diaz and she really surprised me and and she does a phenomenal job and i think a lot of it has to do with the sheer fact that leo gives her so much to work with and they and they complement each other very well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Eleven agree. out of ten, like great chemistry. They are gr- like a great pair. Um, fantastic in this movie. A yeah. nice little gem in all of the violence. Exactly. Is this like Loki love story? Yeah, which like, I which I really don't mind because yeah. it opens him up and like it for for ten, for the the few minutes that they're together every forty five. Yeah. Of the movie. Yeah, it's really their their encounters are very spaced you out. You forget that it's about revenge yeah. for a little while, and that's nice and refreshing. It's nice, yeah, good times, Ugh. good times at the New York of the gangs <laughs> at the Five Points, <laughs> indeed. Uh, uh, so that was Gangs of New York, yes. And our last movie, the is, last film, is it's our favorite. This is this is like. The piece de resistance. This is one of my favorite movies that yeah. has ever come out in recent memory. This is a three-hour movie that I I'm happy that there's three. That hours I'm happy this that movie. there's three hours of this movie, and it never feels like three hours to me, to no. me at least. Yeah, <laughs> I still don't think any movie should be three hours long. Okay, what about two hours forty-five? That's fine. Okay, great. <laughs> this is uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, which came out in 2013, also directed by Martin Scorsese. Screenplay by Terrence Winter, based on the 2007 memoir The Wolf of Wall Street by Jordan Belfort himself. Jordan Belfort. <laughs> In 1987, Jordan Belfort, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, takes an entry-level job at a Wall Street brokerage firm. By the early 1990s, while still in his 20s, Belfort founds his own form, Stratton Oakmont, together with his trusted lieutenant, played by Jonah Hill, (laughs) and a merry band of brokers. Belfort makes a huge fortune by defrauding wealthy investors out of millions. However, while Belfort and his cronies partake in a hedonistic brew of sex, drugs, and thrills, the SEC and the FBI close in on his empire of excess. Bro. What a summary. I know. Thank you, Google. <laughs> An empire of excess. That was that was good. That was nice. That was nice. Uh, what a fucking movie. What a, what a fucking movie. This movie is not for the faint of heart. No. Uh, it's also like one of the most Scorsese films I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yeah. In terms of like in terms modern of Scorsese movies. Yeah. 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 It almost feels like a modern like gang movie. Like gangster film. I, I would argue that that is what it like. I would argue that Wall Street assholes are, are like modern a gang. gangsters. Yeah. 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 Hundred totally. percent, yeah, and they're all fucking like fighting at it of each other, like and they're they all they're all very territorial and they're all very mm-hmm. like, you know. I always think back at that scene with Matthew McConaughey where he's like, that 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 performance, that scene alone deserved its own Oscar, hundred percent in its own category of yep. Oscars, <laughs> best scene in a movie, best chess rub in a movie. <laughs> chest thumping movement 
it's it's such a cool look at this insane time. I've seen so many different accounts of this specific time yeah. in the 80s where people were living like insane people. People yes. were living like if they didn't spend all of their money, something terrible was going to happen to them. Yeah. I've seen I've seen and like a a show that I was watching uh, which it's have it's having its final season now. It's called Pose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Ryan Murphy show. Yes, I would argue one of his better shows. <laughs> you, you mean Glee? Wasn't it? Because he you? just doesn't have so very good shows sometimes. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at you, Scream Queens. Uh, Eat, pray, love. Where are you at? Eat, pray, love. Um, oh, pour one out for Eat, pray, love. Guys. Oh, Ryan, <laughs> why did you put a Dutch angle there? You didn't have to. <laughs> you didn't have to go Dutch, Ryan. But you did. <laughs> and there you are. And there we are. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. I I see the accounts of this of this time where people were just spending and spending and spending and spending. And living like if they didn't spend their money, like their fucking air, the air was going to run out of, run out in their lungs. Like, yeah. And choosing someone like leonardo dicaprio to play a character like this is such an insane move like and using like leo with the reputation that that he has and the roles that he's had Mm -hmm. just like it boggles my mind to think i mean obviously they've had a relationship sure uh scorsese and uh leo have had a relationship and they've you know he's done multiple of his films yeah gangs was his first okay so the aviator shutter island (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and it's just funny to me that he would think of leo for a role like this especially because it's so vulgar see i kind of feel like i would think of leo to do this really i feel like i would go who do I want to see pretend to be on lewds? Leonardo DiCaprio. Absolutely. I think <laughs> who do I think can make an audience trust him while he's snorting coke out of a sex worker's asshole? Leonardo DiCaprio. Absolutely. <laughs> for me, what what clicked for me in this movie, and I and I really wish that he had gotten that he had gotten the Oscar for this movie, uh, yeah, and not the Revenant. Genuinely, like he deserved an Oscar, but the Revenant was just like it had been so long. They needed everyone to. was like, oh god, let's give Lee. Let's he give- climbed inside of a dead horse. God just did. give it to him. Yeah. <laughs> and what clicked for me in this movie specifically was the fact that Leo's got comedy chops oh yes he does up up the sex worker's asshole yeah. like he has it like way up there like he can do so much mm-hmm. with so little yes and what i love about this is that he is working with someone like jonah hill yes and they play oh my god they play so well off of each other like oh, thank god thank god fucking jonah hill was like like begged for that role yeah and took the massive pay cut. He was paid like 60 grand for this role. He was paid like no money for he this He was paid role. SAG minimum because he wanted to work with Scorsese that badly. So badly, yeah. Thank fucking God, Jonah. You did, the God, you did God's work doing that because like the gift of him playing Donnie Azoff oh, opposite God. Leonardo DiCaprio playing Jordan Belfort is like, it is in, it's incredible. It makes me want to cry. Like, like the introduction of Donny Azoff is one of the best character introduction scenes I've ever, ever seen. Ever. Ever. 
Ever. The fucking flipper. The goddamn flipper. You know we love a you flipper. You know how we feel about actors who wear flippers and do it well. <laughs> you know. And if you don't know, you haven't been listening to this podcast long enough. <laughs> go back. <laughs> Stop listening and go back. <laughs> It's beautiful. It's the incredible work that he does with that fucking flipper. Is oh beautiful. my god! But this isn't about him. No, it's not. We but we had we had to say it. We had to say it because oh, he's so good. Oh, oh, oh! Back to Leo. Back to Leo. <laughs> the way that Leo navigates this fucking movie is like a shark navigating like a like weirder, 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 full of like little marrows. Like he is like fucking dashing left and right and like chom- like strategically chomping down on what he needs to chomp on and yeah. then like ignoring what he what he doesn't need to chomp on. Like if he's not hungry, he won't fucking eat it. I love how he navigates this goddamn film because this film is a monster. This yeah. film is enormous. And the whole goddamn thing is sitting on his shoulders. Yes, he's your guide. He's your guide. And the biggest thing that I will say about this movie and about Leo specifically is that it is grand. Mm -hmm. It is in excess. Yes. But he has such a grounding effect on the viewer, on the audience member, that you forget that what you are watching is abnormal. Yeah. You're just in it. You forget that what you are watching is people, they're throwing parties where they're throwing little people into like a target, which is obviously not okay. But like you forget that this is happening in this way because Jordan Belfort as a narrator, as an unreliable narrator to that end, as your guide, as your lens is so calm like Leo plays such a grounded character and offers us bursts of rage or or anger or happiness or celebration, sadness. Like he offers us these bursts, but for the most part is a very grounded character. All things considered, like all things considered when it comes to the work that he does, the, the sketch factor of his work. Yeah. The fact that like, the way that he moves about the world is really just looking at, well, what's my next deal? Yeah. What's going to make me the most money? Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that he's an unreliable narrator because I, I personally feel like he's reliable, but for very strange reasons. Well, that, well, really, that's what I'm trying to say is like, sometimes he's, he can give us the truth and other times it's like wildly like he's like just telling us like multiple things that had happened not in the way that they had happened (laughs) or not in the way that Scorsese's showing us on screen sure so in that way yes he is an unreliable narrative but but please go on yeah like I I just love how I love how he's positioned as the narrator in this because he's being so seemingly honest with you because he's saying a bunch of shit that like people normally wouldn't fess up to. Exactly. Um, So you think he's reliable, but then he's also like constantly on drugs. And so you're like, he can't possibly be reliable, (laughs) right? But he keeps you guessing, but you like trust him the entire time. Yes. And it's really, but it's really hard to trust someone like that, but he has all that charisma and you were like, you don't want to trust him, but you trust him anyway, which is like, that's his whole business. Like that is, that is why Jordan Belfort was able to do what he did. It's almost like he's a fucking cult leader. And so you're just like, I guess he has nothing to lose. He's already been found out by the FBI at the time when he's narrating this to us. You're like, yeah. I guess this is what fucking happened. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. So I think Leo in this movie gives you a really fantastic glimpse into what a very seasoned actor can do with an incredible script, with an incredible director. And it results in this fabulous, like I was in that movie theater for three fucking hours and I didn't bat an eye and Mm -hmm. I hate three hour long movies. It was a hundred percent because Leonardo DiCaprio held his own in this fucking film and said yes to being a lead actor in a Martin Scorsese film of this caliber with this much at fucking stake being like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna nab the Oscar obviously he did not nope (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but sort of like coming at it from the perspective of like well what does Leo do that is so goddamn special I think a lot of it has to do with like the fact that he he changes his voice, he changes his mannerisms, he changes a lot about himself to fit and like chameleon fit into a specific character. Mm-hmm. A lot of actors do that, right? So like what is that it factor? Because you look at a movie like The Basketball Diaries and you go, no, of course, like that is a gut-wrenching film. That is an that's an immense character. You so you go, okay, great. Like he he got to showcase his range there, sure. Yeah. You look at a movie like uh, Gangs of New York and you go well that is an enormous fucking film and his arc is is like super long a very slow burn he's a narrator in that like and it's a period piece yeah. like uh, it's like an actor's fucking playground up in there so and but then you look at a movie like The Wolf of Wall Street and you go what is it about him that makes him so special because really put anyone in this and give him that script and give him that honesty that the character portrays like mm-hmm. the, you know, like, yeah, that's me snorting cocaine out of a sex worker's asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, or I do these <laughs> things to like, I flush out my system from the drugs and then I start all over again. Like, yes, you know, that script, the, this dialogue, like, right. Give someone else this, what would be missing? That's my question to you. Yeah. I think a thing that a lot of people don't think about when they examine like what what makes an actor like a good actor like what makes them a good artist is they don't often think about like like they go yeah they they put in the work they you know they did like emotional recall whatever the fuck Mm -hmm. but like are they having fun yeah and I think like fun and amusement is very underrated in terms of how it contributes to a performance in a Mm -hmm. positive way Mm -hmm. and I think that like Leo, this is not like, like Leo was an adult season actor by the time he did this role. This is by no means like Leo's entrance into his mature acting career. But like he had been snubbed so many fucking times up until this point Mm -hmm. that it really felt like he was like, I'm just gonna go insane and I'm going to have so much fun. I'm gonna show all you fuckers what I can do when I just have a good time. And that's not to say that he wasn't like thinking about the role because obviously like there's a lot to think about in this role. He somehow managed to make Jordan Belfort like a very nuanced character. And like there are moments of depth, but like he, he, I genuinely think at least that like Leo was excited to do this. And you can tell he's like really enjoying himself because there are so many moments where like this, this, I mean, it's hard to believe this happened in real life, let alone it's happening in like a movie. Steve Madden. Steve Madden. Madden. It's hard to believe that like, they fucking took Steve Madden public. Like that whole thing, like this whole- Steve Madden played by Dustin Hoffman's son. So 
fucking funny. And honestly, kind of looks nothing like him. He looks nothing like Steve like, Madden. Nothing like Steve, Steve Madden. Madden responded to it. And he was like, why did they make me look like such a nerd? Yeah. Why did they make you? <laughs> and this is the Mary Jane in black leather. <laughs> Like, no, that guy is swole. Yeah. Steve Madden went to prison. He beefed <laughs> up. Yeah. He talks like this. Like, he's crazy. Yeah, total side note, though. Really highly recommend the Steve Madden episode of Armchair Expert. It oh, is yeah. fascinating. It is absolutely fascinating. And they talk about, like, toxic masculinity. And they yeah. talk about, like, like life in prison. And yes. they talk about, like, his, like, oh, it's it's really good. It, it, Wall Street. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Wall Street, good. everything. Go listen. Anyway. While you're listening to this one, though, uh, it's just, it's very funny. I love that you gave that answer because that's exactly how I feel. Because yeah. quite frankly, there's not a lot to say as far as what Leo does in this movie that is so goddamn special other than, yeah, that man has a lot of fun. Yeah. And he just went balls to the wall. He said, look at what I can do. Look at me, like, look at me fucking launch this bazooka into the air metaphorically. Yes. And watch it explode all over you. Yeah. Like, I don't see how this movie could have been anything other than a fucking blast for him. Yeah. And I think like weirdly the, the, the presence of drugs, like the fact that he, that Jordan Belfort is on drugs so frequently almost like makes it, it almost like makes it easier for you to trust him sometimes Yeah, because like when you're on drugs, you're, it's like, you're acting on pure instinct. Absolutely. Like, it's not like you're like hiding your cards and you have like secret motivations for mm-hmm. shit. You're just like, this is, this is where my brain is right now. Yeah. And because he's on shit like lewds and cocaine and crack, like <laughs> all of it, literally all of it, literally all of the drugs. He just has these like out of this, like out of this world reactions that are so fun to watch and that you don't have to sit and go like, like, what is his intention? <laughs> because yeah. that would be so fucking boring for three hours in a movie like this. Yeah. yeah. He shows every single one of his cards. And it's really funny to think of Leo as an environmentalist and someone <laughs> yeah. who who completely and totally rejects the excess yes. in terms of like, I'm not going to fly, fly a private jet or mm-hmm. drive a Rolls Royce because my carbon footprint would be fucking enormous. Yeah. And so seeing him sort of like unload the fantasy of, well, what if I was really into the excess? What if I didn't give a fuck about the goddamn planet? What if, what if, what if? <laughs> I know that these millions of dollars that my fictional character fictionally owns uh, could fucking save the goddamn planet. Yeah. But <laughs> instead, I'm going to buy my fake wife, Margot Robbie, <laughs> a yacht, and name it the, the Naomi. <laughs> Yeah, Leo, he's just like, he's one of those actors who, uh, like, there are a lot of actors who I'm really excited to see what they do on their own, because when they're by themselves, they do really amazing performances. And Leo is the same way, but like, he's someone where I'm really excited to see how he interacts with different actors, because it's all very different. Like Margot Robbie. Yes. Like, his chemistry with her is different from his chemistry from jonah hill and like his chemistry with jonah hill is like a weird romance in a way like 
It is so good. The see the fucking lewds scene. Oh you my guys, God. you guys. The old lewds scene is what are they called? They're like They're lemons? Called lemons. 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 And they show you the um there's like a very close up shot of the little tablet and yes. it's got it says lemon on it. It's from a it's from a very old bottle. And they're like, wow, like these are the only like these are the only lewds of this kind in existence. And fucking <laughs> Jonah Hill is sitting there like heaving being like yeah let's fucking do them yep and they fucking sit there and they're like all right we're just gonna dedicate this night to these lewds and they take they take one and they're like all right and they wait forever and then mm-hmm. they're like all right these are you know maybe like they've lost their potency yeah they take they take two then they take three and like i forget how many exactly they take but then they're like fuck man this sucks and so they go down to the gym and like start to like work out to get their fucking heart like pumping yeah to get it going like going through their bloodstream and nothing's working and then all of a sudden it fucking hits them (laughs) he's not at home when it hits him he goes to the country club first he goes to the goddamn country club because there's i think oh his dad his dad is like get on a secure line or someone is like get on a secure line so he's like all right i'll go to or not a secure line but like don't call him from the house because the wires are tapped because FBI. Because FBI. Because FBI. And so they go to the fucking country club and boom, out. <laughs> out for the fucking count. Yep. And then like, there's the signature scene with the stairs and the Lamborghini. And he has to get from the stairs to the Lamborghini and he fucking like <laughs> falls down the fucking stairs and rolls like a goddamn cartoon barrel. Like this is fucking Looney Tunes or some shit. Like the some of the some of the directorial choices in this are so fucking brilliant so like brilliant. when you're looking at it from leo's point of view there's like 30 steps mm-hmm. but then it does the <laughs> wide shot and there's three <laughs> and he's just rolling oh around like a toddler it is it's comedy gold and this sequence goes on for a long time forever and he holds it together the whole time and then it es- it further escalates like you keep thinking it can't escalate more and then it and then it does. does like jonah hill starts choking on a fucking piece of ham on a ham and fucking leo has to save him he stabs himself with a with or no no he snorts coke yeah to get an adrenaline boost <laughs> and like, saves jonah hill's life well he the thing that you're remembering is he stabs the couch because that's where he has a stash of yes. cocaine yes oh my and god it's this huge block of it and he just fucking rips it open and snorts a shit ton of it and goes i've got you i've got I'm this gonna save you <laughs> oh my god this i just I like this is one of those movies and I say it about I say it relatively often but this really yeah. is one of those movies where I'm like fucking thank god for cinema like I'm so pleased that I got to witness this film it's so incredible and you know this is one of those films that I put on whenever people like don't really know what to watch and I'm with like a more adult crowd I'm like oh let's watch the wolf of wall street do you have a three hours to spare yeah to learn about the good lord jordan Belfort. <laughs> jordan Belfort. The thing is, is that Jordan Belfort makes a cameo at the end of this movie and he is not at all like what they portrayed him to be. He's like this weird, wormy guy. Very wormy, (laughs) very slimy, like not charismatic at all. Not at all. But like, I don't fucking care. I just like, I just like the way Leo plays him. Yeah. I just, God, I have nothing but incredible things to say about this movie and about Leo's character and Leo's performance in this film. And quite frankly, 
I think that if you have not watched The Wolf of Wall Street because of some reason or another, or it's been too long, quite frankly, I'm surprised that this came out in 2013. When I read that, I was like, it is that right? Are you sure it didn't come out in like 2017? Like I went to go see this in the theaters and remembering it being fucking brilliant. It's almost a decade ago, which, which is, is crazy. Nuts. It does not feel like that. It does not feel like that at all. Oh my God. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that's really it. That was Leo. That's Leo. Yeah. We very well might talk about him again in the future. Cause there's so, there's so many films we can talk about. There's too We much. really, really, really wanted to do the aviator, but another film Alas. you can't find anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Bullshit. I hate it. <laughs> it's really annoying. I really wish that people would just put all the films that's ever that have ever existed online so that we could at the very least buy them. Yeah, like you couldn't even buy basketball diaries if you wanted to. No. Like what who fucking owns the rights to that shit that doesn't allow us to watch it? It's stupid. It's absurd. I hate it. It's positively absurd. Ugh. Anyway, Monica, Anywho. yes. What have you dabbled in? So many things. Okay. Tell uh me. the first thing being obviously there's a fucking dog in my living room. He's he's asleep right now, but his eyes are half open and it looks like he's like giving me a side eye. He's while like side eyeing you, yeah. Yeah. Uh this is my brother's dog, Malibu the Kavapoo. I believe he has an Instagram. I, I actually don't remember. <laughs> uh but he's like a very young Kavapoo. Uh, and my brother's going to like fucking Cancun or something mm-hmm. and he left his dog here. So now he's here. Yeah. And he's like taking up room. Yeah, he is. But he's really cute. But he's actually quite adorable. Yeah, and he's pretty, he's pretty good boy. He is a good boy. He doesn't bark very much. Actually. No, Aaron had to hold him during the like, first like 30 minutes of this recording to keep him calm. Well, because but... he was sad that his yeah. humans had left. And yeah. so, and left him with other humans that exactly. look nothing like the humans that left him. No, we don't smell like them either. We don't smell like them. We don't look like them. There's nothing about us that looks exactly like them. Exactly. Actually, we look very different. <laughs> do, you think, do you think perhaps my brother was adopted? Perhaps. Maybe. We'll mm. never know. <laughs> let's investigate ah let's take him to small claims court okay perfect uh so yeah what have you been dabbling in um well this is i i I mean i started dabbling in this a few weeks ago but i i've officially been like really really hooked is i've been watching kate winslet's new show on hbo oh yes mayor of east town yes and i'm fucking obsessed they all talk funny in that show yes because they're in like delaware or some shit why do they have an accent I don't know, but it's it's such a unique hard accent where they say things like water <laughs> instead <Wooder>. of water. <laughs> I like the word. <laughs> and like, I didn't think I could be more impressed with Kate Winslet. And then she does a fucking HBO miniseries and like blows my socks okay. off all okay. over again. Let's just talk. Let's just very quickly talk about the HBO miniseries. Oh, my fucking God. They have like, they have blown us out of the water. Out of the water. With <laughs> all of these goddamn miniseries. I, like, I know a lot of people didn't really watch The Flight Attendant. I did, and it was phenomenal. The Undoing. Oh. Uh, come on. Where is HBO hiding all I mean, of I these? think the ending was a little bit of a cop-out, but I mean, like, of it course, was such a good show. Of course it was a cop-out. But I loved watching Nicole Kidman. And Hugh Grant. And Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant with his comeback. Like, I'm so fucking happy that Hugh Grant is back. I'm and here for it. In action. Back. He's so talented. And ready 
to attack. Yes. But I've been watching Mayor of Easttown. I just watched episode five and I believe there's a total of seven episodes. And her dialect work is just so amazing. I thought it had peaked in Steve Jobs when she did that like super nuanced Polish accent yeah, because that was so hard to do. And then she does this show and that accent is fucking nuts. To make it sound natural, it's incredible. And it's like Kate Winslet, like you've never seen her before. What even is that accent? Philadelphia. It's a Philadelphia accent. Sure. How, but- I didn't hear Bradley Cooper doing that accent in Silver Linings Playbook. Mm. Well, maybe that's why I don't like that movie. Uh, <laughs> a different a conversation for a different day. A different but yeah, day. like she just plays this like really hardened, not feminine whatsoever cop. And like, I've never seen her like that. She's like, she's a massive bitch. And she has this accent and... It's just, it's such a good show. And she has a really good chemistry with Evan Peters. And he's amazing. Oh, I love me some Evan Peters. Star on the rise, Evan Peters. I love me some Evan Peters. He's so good. Someone put him in a movie because they only have him in the miniseries (laughs) and the shows. Evan Peters. Oh, Evan Peters. (laughs) He's not Irish. He's not Irish. (laughs) Saoirse Ronan. (laughs) Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan. Wait, she's in Mary Queen of Scots, right? And she's yeah. like, I will not talk to my fucking inferior. <laughs> I didn't see that movie. You are my goddamn inferior, Marco Robbie. <laughs> I'll be shooting for my own hand. I'll be shooting for my own hand. <laughs> if you had the chance to change, change your, your fate, fate, would you? <laughs> That's uh, from Mary Queen of Scots. Yes. <laughs> Colorized. <laughs> oh man Uh, so that's what i've been dabbling in go fucking watch the show before it ends and the media spoils it for you because like shit has shit has escalated in episode five i'm gonna watch this show you gotta fucking watch i'm gonna watch this show okay yeah so that's it we don't have a question this week no this episode is too long it's fucking 10 27 p.m on goddamn monday night (laughs) we post this episode at 11 59 yep p.m (laughs) or no Midnight. Yeah, midnight. It goes up at midnight. Goes up at midnight. So uh, it's time to say good night, kids. Good night. Good night, moon. Good night, good chair. Night. Good night, cow jumping over the moon. Good night, kava poo. What's the song that they sing? The goodbye song and out of the box. Like, uh, um, uh, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> it's like it's like it's uh, like, uh, uh, fruit salad. <laughs> wiggles. <laughs> Fruit salad, oh, like, yummy, like, yummy. Goodbye for now to you, my friends. Fruit salad, <laughs> yummy, yummy. Fruit salad. Cold Mashed spaghetti, cold spaghetti. <laughs> cold spaghetti, cold spaghetti. Cold spaghetti, cold spaghetti. All right, we've lost it. It's too late. <laughs> goodbye. Uh, goodbye. And as always, so long. Farewell. No, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> As always, don't, don't sue us, Daddy Fabro. Good night, everyone. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs>